back. Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Over the years, uh, I've grown to, to know some of you, and uh, so I feel like it's kind of like coming home for me, and very much so, and I feel very much at home when I'm here, and I thank you for, uh, for allowing me uh, to be here. Uh, this morning, we're kind of kicking off a little mini-series called Jesus Is, because here's the thing. I think that in, even in the sunny South, even, even in the Bible Belt of America, I'm, I'm afraid that there's a lot of people that really don't know who Jesus is. Now, this video, we didn't buy this video. There are a lot of cool videos that you can buy online, and you can show them on Sunday morning, and that's really good. And we didn't buy this video. And so you might think, this is a video that maybe Springwell bought, and, you know, from some, you know, weird place in California, right? So there are these weird people, because atheists and agnostics really don't live here in the South. Everybody in the South knows who Jesus is, Right? Wrong. That's not true. It's not true at all. In fact, this video we did ourselves, and uh, most of the time we, we go downtown Greenville and uh, Greenville, South Carolina. That's where we are. And uh, most of the time we go downtown Greenville. We decided that we go really wild and crazy, so we went to Asheville, North Carolina. Because <laughs> yeah. people in Asheville crazy. You know what I'm talking about? So we thought we'd go up to Asheville, and uh, so we did. And it was amazing because, you know, you hear this last girl, and she talks about being agnostic. She talks about being an atheist. And you're probably thinking, people like that really don't exist. We got a guy that visits our church about four times a year who's a self-proclaimed atheist. And it's so funny because he's probably my greatest fan. I don't really know what that means, that, you know, an atheist is my greatest fan. But he'll walk up and he'll say, man, great message. And then he'll always say, you know, I really don't believe in that Jesus stuff. I go, I know, I know, I know. You tell me all the time. He said, I don't really believe in the Jesus stuff, but I am convinced of this, that if we would just apply the principles of Jesus to our lives, the world would be a better place to live. And I thought, how about Jesus? You know what I'm saying? So here's the thing. I'm afraid that a lot of us, even in church every week, probably don't understand the impact that Jesus had. I'm afraid that a lot of us really don't know who Jesus really, really is. Most people don't have any idea how much Jesus and the movement that followed him influenced, watch this, I'm going to throw you a curveball, education. I got you. You go, What? You can't, education, that ain't spiritual. You can't talk about education on Sunday morning. Yes, I can when you understand that it was Jesus who had an influence and an impact on education, the rise of universities, and universal literacy. I knew that was going to pump you up. The literacy does it every time. Why are y'all looking at me like that? Like I'm weird. I am weird. Okay. Did you know and here's the thing. I'm going to give you some facts this morning. And if you are a follower of Jesus, I'm just saying that if you're a follower of Jesus, I hope that what happens at the end of today, if you'll hang with me this morning and tonight, I hope that what will, ha- that what will happen is that you will leave this place going, that's right, that's what I'm talking about. That's my 
Jesus that had a bigger influence and a bigger impact on the world than I could possibly imagine. Because the world that we live in today, you don't think about it, but you have no earthly idea at how much influence that a carpenter that lived 2,000 years ago had on even our present day society. Did you know that Jesus changed how we view children? Did you, did you know that? Because you probably, you might not. See, we grow up in church and we just read the Bible and we just, you know, ho-hum, kind of read through the scripture. Sometimes we have no earthly idea really what we're reading and how these words of Jesus were so radical in his day to a culture that had no earthly idea. Listen, in, in Jesus' day, children were, were not at the very bottom, but children were very low on the totem pole of value. You know why? Because they didn't have anything to offer. Now, if you were a child and and you were a female, it was even worse. If you were a child and you were female and you were handicapped, guess what? They would take you out, put you in the middle of the desert and leave you there to die and it wasn't even considered breaking the law. Hello? Now all the babies in the house, you know what I'm saying? You ought to be thankful that Jesus came along. Now, Jesus changed how we've used children so much that one book written on the topic is simply called When Children Became People. And it was all due to the influence of a man named Jesus. How we, uh, he changed how we look at human dignity and human rights and the status of, of women. I'm telling you, if you're a woman, you really want to go back and just look at the life of Jesus. And here's what you would want to do. You would want to look at the culture and the time that Jesus lived. And you would recognize that when Jesus walked onto the scene and when he elevated women, he did something that was so countercultural that most people would go, that's just weird. That's just strange. But that was Jesus. Because of Jesus, believe it or not, because of Jesus, qualities, characteristics, attributes like humility that was little known and little regarded in the day that Jesus lived. Humility and forgiveness became almost universal, but not in the day that Jesus lived. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, about humility. I, you, you need to be here. His influence on the arts. Jesus' influence on the arts was so pervasive that though no one knows what he really looks like. I mean, you know that when you're looking at a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus, you know Jesus didn't look like that, right? You didn't know. He was a Jew, Hello, are you out there? He had brown eyes. He had brown skin. I don't know, maybe Western culture. We thought we had to change him a little bit so that Jesus could be accepted and adopted into our culture. Although no one really knows what he looks like, he is the most recognizable man in the world. You put a picture of Jesus, almost any part of the world that you go to, you show them that picture of Jesus and most people all over the world will recognize that that is Jesus. He obviously had a huge impact on the world and yet there's so, much, there's so little that we know about him. There's still tons of stuff. Now, I know what you're thinking. Dude, we're a God-believing church. I know you are. I know you are. We love Jesus at this church. I know you are. I realize that. But I still bet that there's some things about Jesus that you probably don't know. 
So for this morning and tonight, I want to try to help us have a little bit better understanding of who Jesus really is. So if I ask this question, who's the most compassionate man who ever lived, who would you say? It's Sunday morning. The correct answer would be Jesus. Let's try it one more time. Who's the most compassionate man that ever lived? It's still kind of weak. Try it one more time. Give me a J. Yay. E. Give me an E. e. Give me an S. S. Give me a U. U. Give me an S. S. What you got? Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Now don't you feel better about yourself? <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the topic for this morning. Jesus is compassion. Simple, right? Jesus is compassion. One day, a leper approaches Jesus. He approaches Jesus, and here's what he says. If you're willing, if you are willing, you can heal me. So heal me, Jesus, if you're willing. Now, this was really big. We don't really understand the impact that this statement had. This leper knew that if he were to be in public and not cry out, that he was unclean, that literally they would stone him to death. He knew that. And so he knew that people wanted to stay as far away from him as they possibly could. He knew that religious people didn't want to have anything to do with him. He knew that religious people would look at him and say, you know what, you probably got leprosy because you got some kind of sin in your life. I mean, you know what, God's not blessed you. You got a curse from God. Stay away from us. And so this man looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, like if you were willing, I know because I've heard, and if you're willing, you can heal me. And you know what Jesus says? I'm willing. Be clean. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, there's a demon man who is, who is possessed. And nobody will have anything to do with this guy. This guy is, is angry. He's violent. And people wanted to stay away from him. They wanted to do everything they could to, uh, to just play like he, he didn't even exist. And that Jesus has compassion on this man and he heals him. In fact, if you look at Mark chapter 5, there are three healings that take place in Mark chapter 5. In fact, hey, go back to Mark chapter 1. Here's the thing that blows me in mind with Mark. Mark's the shortest of the gospel, probably the first gospel written, at least the second if not the first. Here's the thing. Go to Mark to read the Christmas story. Guess what? It ain't there. I'm not kidding. You're thinking, you're looking at me right around. You're You're lying. Bible you got boy Mark skips that and yet in Mark the very first chapter we find Jesus and there's at least three healings in fact one that's in the middle of these other two where Jesus literally heals multitudes of people because Jesus was compassionate. Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. Jesus has compassion on the tormented son of a desperate father. Matthew chapter 20, because I want to make sure you get this. You tracking with me? Matthew chapter 20, verses 29 through 33. There's these two guys that are blind. Listen, they don't know a whole lot about Jesus. Jesus is kind of new on the scene. But they had heard about this man named Jesus. And they knew that there was something different about this man. When he spoke, like when Jesus spoke, he spoke with authority and he spoke with power. And then they had heard that not only does he speak with power and authority, but he speaks with love and, and, and compassion. And when Jesus is near, 
sick people would flock to where he was because here's what they heard. I don't know what there is to this man named Jesus, but here's the one thing I know, that if I can get near him, he will heal, he will heal us. So there are these two blind men, blind men, and they're crying out to Jesus, and here's what the crowd says to them. They say, be quiet. Shut up. It's kind of in the Greek. It's kind of there if you just look at it. But they only shouted louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and called, what do you want me to do for you? I just think that's weird, don't you? (laughs) I guess I'm the only one. This is son, this is Jesus, the son of God. And I'm thinking like, Jesus, like if you're the son of God and everything and you don't know, I'm in real trouble, you know? Jesus says, what do you want me to do? And you know what they say? Heal us, man, we're blind. And he did. Jesus felt sorry for them and he touched their eyes and instantly they could see. You know why? Because Jesus is compassion. He is the very definition of compassion. Luke chapter 7, because you might not be getting it yet. Luke chapter 7, verses 13 through 15, there's a widow and she's weeping over the loss of her son. Now, I just think that, because I'm this way, I didn't really get the Jesus thing till later in life, so sometimes I look at scripture a little bit different than other people, you know? And so just think like, pretend like when you're reading this passage, think of it like you were to have a funeral service here this afternoon, okay? Think about it that way as I read this passage and there's going to be a coffin sitting down front and there's going to be a dead person in the coffin. Y'all got that? So you kind of got that picture in your mind? Now let's look at this past of scripture. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. You know why? Because Jesus is compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and he touched it and the bear stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. And the dead boy sat up. Y'all got that picture in your head. Now, some of y'all thinking, oh, praise Jesus. No, you wouldn't. This place would clear, would it not? A dead boy sits up and says, hey, hey, y'all. I mean, we are out of here, are we not? You know, a couple miles down the road, we'll call back. Hey, how did things work out? Is the dead boy still okay? I'm just saying, I know. I look at stuff kind of weird. Because I didn't do the Jesus thing for a long time. And so when when after I did, I just started looking at Scripture and, and, and it just it comes alive. See, the dead boy, he sat up and he began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mama who was a half mile down the road. He had to catch up with her. Now, here's what you're thinking. I, I get it. Jesus had compassion for the sick. Wow. But listen, when you, read, when you read the New Testament, especially the accounts in the Gospels of the life of Jesus, here's what you're going to find. He didn't just have compassion for the sick. It went beyond that. Jesus had compassion for sinners. It's crazy. It's it's crazy. Because again, in this culture, people would have said, these people, they're notorious sinners. You don't have anything to do with them. Stay away from these people. We're afraid that their sin will rub off on us. There was this woman who was caught in adultery. I don't know where the man was. Pretty sure it takes two. Y'all, hey. Y'all not even going there with me. Y'all look like I can't talk like that in church this Sunday morning. I'm just saying, two people, there's adultery going on. I don't know where the guy is, but the woman is brought in front. Jesus stoops down and he starts writing stuff in the sand. Some theologians, you can read this in commentaries, will say, I believe that he quoted some a law from the Old Testament. I don't think that's what he did. I think he looked up and there was a man named John and he wrote, Mary. And he probably said, and this guy said, ooh, you got me. 
And maybe he wrote another lady down, maybe another man's name down. And suddenly these people that stood to condemn this woman all just put their stones down and they walked away. They, they walked away. And Jesus looks at this woman and he says, hey, they don't condemn you, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus had compassion for sinners. Luke 19, verses 1 through 10, there's a tax collector named Zacchaeus. Y'all remember Zacchaeus, right? Zacchaeus was... If you're not in church, you're going, that's the weirdest song. I know church people are weird. <laughs> but, but, but we all know and love that song, don't we? Yeah. Well, the story of Zacchaeus, you know that story. He's a tax collector. He's, according to his own people, verse 7, he is a notorious sinner. Now, if you read about Zacchaeus, here's what you'll find. He wasn't just a tax collector. He had climbed the ranks. And so he was probably over a region of tax collectors. He, he was a gang leader of tax collectors. And here's what happens. Jesus stops. He looks up and he says, Zacchaeus. And he goes, how do you know my name? And he says, here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out with you today at your house. And the people absolutely were blown away. They said, wait a minute. You, gotta, you know who he is. You're going to go to his house. You know what kind of money he used to buy that house? He's probably going to serve you a meal. Do you know what money bought the meal that you're going to eat? And guess what? All of the people, all of the friends that were gathered at that little party that Zacchaeus threw in honor of Jesus that day, they were all notorious sinners. But that's where Jesus was. And I'm just saying that everywhere you look in the Bible, you see the compassion of Jesus. So for me, as I look at this, and I try to break it down, and I try to make it so we can understand it. And the thing that I think of is how do we apply this to our lives today? So I ask the question, what is it that makes Jesus so compassionate? Now, some of you are probably thinking, you really did miss a lot of church, didn't you? You idiot. He's Jesus. <laughs> That's why he's compassionate, because he's Jesus. And so here's what we do as a, as a church. <clears throat> and maybe we get a little bit convicted over a topic like compassion. And so we say we need, to be compa we need to be compassionate. So here's what we do. We just try to fake it till we make it. You know what I mean? We just try to be compassionate. And here's the thing. I don't think that we understand what compassion means. Maybe for some of you, you look at the life of Jesus and you say, you know what, I, I think I know what made Jesus compassionate. I bet he was one of those touchy-feely, emotional, sensitive type people. You know, because most people look at Jesus and most people think he must have been a small, weak little man, you know. And when he spoke, um, he, was, could prob uh, he, he probably couldn't speak above a whisper, you know, and that was not Jesus at all. I mean, that was not Jesus at all. Jesus was a carpenter. He worked with his hands. He had a trade. Jesus was a man's man. And when he spoke, people could hear him. So was he one of those emotional sensitive types? Here's the problem with that picture of Jesus. This same guy, Jesus, who had compassion for notorious sinners. The same guy, Jesus, who had compassion for the sick, listen, was the same Jesus that could actually inflict a fair amount of pain. I'm just saying, you remember the story, Matthew 21? Remember the story of Jesus where he goes into the temple? Do y'all remember that story at all? 
And uh, he goes into the temple and he goes and there was this little ministry group that were meeting. Uh, just really check this out because you might have a different view of this than, than it really was. But there was this, this ministry group that was meeting in the local church. And they started off with pure motives. And people would travel from all over the region and they would have to offer sacrifices when they got there. So here's this little group in the church. They thought, you know what? We just want to minister to people because we just want to love people. You know, we love God. We love our people. So they thought, oh, what we'll do is we'll sell sacrifices for these people so that when they travel, they don't have to carry all these different sacrifices. And so here's the thing. Somewhere along the line, they got to making a little bit of money. You know what I'm talking about? It wasn't ministry anymore. It was just about making a buck. And so Jesus walks into this group of people and he is absolutely furious he's angry you with me he's ticked off I know that you're thinking Jesus can't be ticked off he's Jesus for Pete's sake oh yes he was look at Matthew 21 he goes in he starts he takes these temples he takes these tables that are full of money he overturns them grabs a whip and chases people out of the temple with the whip and that's Jesus here's what he said Matthew 21, verses 12 and 13. He says, get out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into just an opportunity to make money. I will dare you turn my daddy's house of prayer into this place. It's just a marketplace. Now let me ask you this question. How many of you got so mad this week that you threw some furniture around, got a whip and chased some people out of the house? Any, any, that happened to any, anybody? Because <laughs> if you did, there's a class for you. <laughs> and we're going to go ahead and give the invitation now and let you come on down. Now, here's the thing Jesus did that. Yeah, but it was righteous. He said to a group of religious leaders one time, he said to the religious establishment, Matthew 23, You snakes, you brood of vipers. That's not nice. That's, that's not the kind of language that should come out of the Savior of the world. You know what? And it gets worse. How will you escape being condemned to? Can you say hell here on Sunday morning and get away with it? I mean... It's the place, right? As long as we're referring to the place. And Jesus was referring to the place. And it sounded like, go to, it sounded like, I'm just saying. And this is Jesus. It's not the kind of language that highly sensitive, touchy-feely people use. So here's, here's the thing. So who is this guy? Who is this guy? Jesus' compassion did not come from a highly sensitive emotional nature. It came from somewhere deeper. Listen, if we as a church, I just want to talk to a few followers of Jesus right now. If we don't get this right, the church will never change. If we don't get this right, the world will never change. I'm telling you, if you'll hang with me today, and just today, tonight, this morning and tonight, I'm all confused. This morning and night. If you'll hang with me, here's what I'm going to tell you. Jesus stepped into a culture that saw it radically different, and he shook up the culture, and he changed history. And I think what the world is waiting on is to see some followers of Jesus who accurately reflect Jesus with compassion. So where did this compassion come from? It came from what Jesus 
saw when he looked at people. It, listen, this came from what he saw when he looked at broken people. And what Jesus saw. And if, if you're a follower of Jesus, you honestly, you probably need to write this down. And then I'm going to give you some evidence. And what Jesus saw would change the way the world viewed every person on the planet. Understand that when Jesus came on the scene in a culture that disregarded people, notorious sinners, people that were sick, Jesus changed the way the world looked at people. And listen to me. We are beneficiaries of that movement that he created. Let me try to explain what I'm talking about. Um, when somebody gets really good at something, it, it changes what they see. Now, uh, we just finished up baseball season. But every baseball game that you watch, somewhere in that game, there's a commentator, and they will zero in on this one 300-lifetime batter, right? And so as this guy steps up to the plate, suddenly they dissect everything about this guy's stance. They, they, they look at his front foot, how far it comes off the ground, if he's loading on his back foot, how he comes back, the bat speed, everything they've analyzed. And what you and I just look at and we think, it's just, it's just a swing. <clears throat> Those people, because they are specialists, because they know what to look for, will say, no, this is one of the greatest hitters of all time. This afternoon, go home and watch golf. And probably what will happen this afternoon is somewhere along the way, Tiger Woods will hit the shot of a lifetime. And what they will do is those commentators, once again, will zero in on him. And they will take great length to be able to show you his stance, his shoulders, his head, where he goes back with the club, where he finishes with the club, how he comes with his downswing. And these people will tell you that if you can swing a golf club like that, you will be able to be another Tiger. Woods because they've examined what most of us just look at and we just think it's just a golf swing. To specialist, it's more than that. Listen, Jesus was a specialist in relationships. And so when Jesus looked at people, he saw something that few people could see. Let me tell you what he saw. And if you don't get this, you'll never have compassion. It won't be an emotion that you'll try to work up and have compassion. Because we can watch TV and we can see people that are starving to death in Af Africa and we can have compassion. It can tug at our heartstrings. But what about notorious sinners? What Jesus saw when he looked at every broken human being, he saw the image of God. Listen, and that makes all the difference in the world. So he was there in the beginning, so he knew in Genesis 1, he knew that when God handcrafted man and woman, when he created male and female, he understood that they were created in the very image of God. So every person that Jesus saw He saw the thumbprint of God. It's, it's amazing. 
and it pierced his heart. Jesus would see a leper. He would see a prostitute. He would see an alcoholic. He would see a drug addict. And he would think, Heavenly Father, you have crowned this person with glory and honor. And and you have put everything under the feet of this creation that I see before me who happens to be disguised right now as a leper, as a whore, as a drug addict. He could go deeper. He would treat these people that blew the the minds of the religious world they, they couldn't understand. Wait a minute, what are you doing? These people have not been created in the image of God. He would say, yes, they have. I was there when it happened. I was there when my daddy, my father, handcrafted them when they were yet in their mother's womb, Psalm 139. I was there. I was a part of it. I know that this person right now is disguised. I get that. But they've been created in the image of God. And what he would see would be children of royalty. About 100 years ago, there was a Christian writer, a guy by the name of George MacDonald. And uh, he often wrote about uh, a, a princess. And um, somebody asked him one time, said, man, every writing, I mean, it's always about a princess. It's always about a princess. Why do you do that? And he said, well, I'll tell you why. It's because every little girl, every little girl is a princess. He said, if you think about it, a, prince, a princess is the daughter of a king. A prince is just the son of a king. That's every human being who has been created in the image of God and loved by God. That's every human being. They're either a prince or a princess. And Jesus treated everybody like they were a child of the king. And most people, especially the poor and the sick and the sinners, were not used to being treated this way. And by the way, they're still not. And we don't, we don't understand how come lost people aren't flocking to our churches. And we don't understand how come they, they think that we're weird. And they don't understand the Jesus that we talk about. Because we don't give an adequate reflection of who Jesus is. And maybe we don't because when we see people... We don't see what Jesus saw. If you go through the Old Testament, you're going to find over and over and over again that, that God talks about four categories of people. Just check me out and see if I'm up on my stuff. And when he was talking to Israel, he says, you've got to be careful how you treat the widows. And you've got to be careful how you treat the orphans. And you've got to be careful how you treat the aliens. And then he said, you've got to be careful how you treat the poor. Here's what he said. Listen, in this culture, in this society, these people are going to be disregarded. And they're going to be trashed by every other culture, but not with my people. And I want you to care for them, and I want you to love them, and I want you to show them compassion. I want you to understand that they've been created in my image. And people who were blind and lame or deaf, they were thought to not reflect God's glory and majesty. 
In fact, people who were malformed or, def- or, or deformed were thought to be so, right? You, you know this. You, you know your Bible. I know some of you do. And so when they looked at somebody that was deformed, remember Job? And they said, well, you know what? It's sin in your own life. So when they saw somebody that was, that was handicapped and crippled, they said, well, you know what? It might not be your sin, so it must be the sins of your mom and dad or your grandparents because God, this is not a, an adequate reflection of the glory of God. You're not perfect like the rest of us. And so religious leaders shun them, and Jesus welcomes them. It doesn't make any sense. Those who were at the bottom of the status ladder, women and children and Gentiles, Jesus treated those people like they were at the top of the ladder. And see, when people saw this, they could not reconcile what they saw with the culture that they lived in. It blew their mind. But there was something about this man named Jesus. He had compassion. He had love. When he spoke, he spoke with authority. He spoke with compassion. He looked at people and saw something different. And these people could not figure out who is this man named Jesus. And yet he can also be, he, he could be hard on the religious sect of his day. How do you figure out who he is? So this honoring and this, this regard and this respect for every human being starts with Jesus. And that led to the ultimate expression of worth. For every human being, Romans chapter 5, verse 8. You know this verse. But God demonstrates his love, right? And while we were yet sinners, notorious sinners, deep, dark, nasty, filthy, bottom-of-the-ladder kinds of sinners, Jesus has compassion because he knows that there's nothing that you can do about your sin. And so Jesus has compassion. He did the only thing that he could do. He came to earth as God's son. He went to the cross and shed his blood for people like that. I'm just about excited. And he demonstrates his love and his compassion. And he says, while you were yet sinners, notorious sinners, that everybody else has rejected. And there's a brokenness in your relationship with God. I'm going to restore that. If you'll let me. It's crazy. In the ancient world, if you got sick, you had no money, you weren't related to a family, I mean... You were toast. I mean, you were just going to die. I've seen this in other, other cultures as well. You had no value. I read in 250 AD, there was an epidemic, and it, and it wiped out a third of the cities in the Roman Empire. It was ugly. I mean, this is a big historical fact, like if you want to check out, check out on what I'm saying. There was a Greek historian named Thucydides, and he writes about how people in Athens responded during this plague. And here's what he writes. They died with no one to look after them. Indeed, there were many houses in which the inhabitants perished through lack of any intention of care. The bodies of the dying were heaped up, one on top of the other. Wow, it was nasty. 
So here's what you have to understand about this particular culture and this particular time. See, none of the Greek gods that they worshipped ever said anything about an obligation to take care of the sick or to take care of the poor. In fact, Zeus, if you go back and look, these, these gods were, they were just gods who really just played with people. People were just their puppets to mess with. This was a foreign concept, but there was this one little group of people. This one little group of people. And I read this on the internet, so it's got to be true. There was this one little group of people who remembered the Jesus that they followed touched lepers. And he said to the he said to the, his disciples, he said, "Go out." And find the sick and have compassion and, and just heal them. There was another historian by a big name I can't pronounce. And here's what he wrote. He said, heedless of the danger, this little group of people, this little group of disciples of Jesus, heedless of the danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life sincerely happy, for they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pain. It's crazy. And there would, there would be pe people that would have looked and they would have said, this is the craziest thing we've ever seen. There was a little community of, of men and women with no money, no power. But they remembered the one who spoke these words in Matthew 25. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. And surely I say to you, as much as you have done it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You know what Jesus was saying? Don't you understand every single time that you look at somebody else and every single time that you have compassion, what you see in them is me. It's my image because they've been created in my image. Do you have any idea how those words have changed the way that people in this little movement looked at a human being? Because suddenly these people begin to see what Jesus saw. And what they saw was Jesus present in the dirtiest of sinners. In the sickest of the sick, what they saw was Jesus. And it changed their lives forever. In the 300s, a follower of Jesus by the name of Basil got this idea. He lived in the ancient world and, and leprosy was so prevalent. It was a death sentence you've already heard. And, and here's what he saw. He said, somebody has got to love and care for these lepers. But we don't have any money, so we got to raise money. He had a brother, a famous preacher, Gregory of Nyssa. And, uh, and so he, he, they said, well, you preach, and we're going we're gonna to use this message to raise money for these lepers. So here's what Gregory would say. He would say, lepers have been made in the image of God. And it broke the church. It, it broke followers of Jesus who began to see something different when they looked into the eyes of people. I read that that was the beginning 
of what would be known as hospitals. I thought that would really fire you up. Apparently, it didn't. Listen, here's what I want you to see. No kidding. Like, so like tomorrow, like when you're leaving, you look next door and there's some kind of doctor's thing next door. Guess what? You can say, that's the image. That's the thumbprint of Jesus. That's, every time you ride by a hospital, what you can do, and if you're with somebody that doesn't follow Jesus, what you can do is say, guess what? That's the thumbprint of my daddy. That's what my daddy does. If you want to know who my Jesus is, every single time you look at a hospital, it is a reflection of the heart of God that started with the church. There used to be these ancient councils and the council of Nyssa was, was the first one. And here's what they said. There's going to be a major, everywhere there's a major church, a cathedral. Listen, this is what, there has to be a hospice, a place where the sick and the poor can be cared for. Yeah, the, come on man, that ought to make you proud as a follower of Jesus, shouldn't it? Because that's who he is. So hospitals are named Good Shepherd, St. Francis, Good Samaritan. And now you know why. Then there was a follower of Jesus by the name of Henry Dunal, a little Frenchy guy. And he couldn't stand to see, to hear um, the sound of soldiers crying out in the battlefield after they'd been wounded. And so he devoted his whole life to helping these wounded soldiers on the battlefield. Hmm. So he starts this little organization known as the Red Cross. So here, listen, like next time, say like there's a major disaster. Let's say you're sitting in the bar. I mean, none of you people would, but if you know anybody that would be sitting in like a local bar. And here's the thing, and there's a disaster. And when you see the Red Cross, what you can do is go, whoa, 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 look, that's the thumbprint of the God that I serve. That's who he is. Jesus, because of his compassion, because what he sees is the very image of God, is that he shows up. He's the first responder to every broken soul. I'm just saying. It's the thumbprint of Jesus. A Lutheran pastor, if you can believe it. I thought that would get a smile. (laughs) By the name of Theodore Fliedner trained a group of mostly peasant women to nurse the sick. And this led to a movement of hospitals all over Europe and inspired a young woman named Florence Nightingale. If you don't know who that is, just Google it. You'll find tons of stuff. And I'm afraid you're not getting it. So there was, there was another guy by the name of Damien. He became known as Father Damien. Remember? And he, he loved and he, he cared and he nurtured lepers and every day he would stand and he would say God loves you lepers until one day he stood and he looked and he says God loves us lepers and he died of leprosy given his life because he was full of compassion see when he looked at a leper what he saw was the image of God and it moved him 
I'm just saying that this notion that every human being, regardless of race or status or wealth, is of immense and sacred and, and, and equal worth, did not originate with human beings. It was, it was with Jesus himself. See, what you don't understand is that when Jesus came onto the scene, he came onto the scene where the culture put down those that were notorious sinners. It put down those that were sick and were deformed and malformed. And Jesus said, that is the image of my daddy. And it rocked the world. This keeps me up at night more than you could possibly imagine. I'm sure that Springwell's probably celebrating, going, thank God he's gone somewhere. <laughs> Let him get on somebody else, you know? I just wonder where God wants us to be a reflection of his compassion on people who don't look to our world like they're wearing a crown. I just wonder where he's waiting for you and me to see a prince or a princess. So maybe you need to ask the question, what's the need or the hurt or the injustice that should make my heart beat fast? You want to know how to grow this church? Then be a church of compassion. Our church right now is just exploding with people that are just coming up with tons of ideas of how we can just show compassion to our community. And one of our staff came up with this thing called One Loaf. It's really easy, really simple. Uh, you guys are probably a lot more wealthy up here. You don't have any homeless folk, but we have homeless people in our city, and they live under bridges. And there's there's one place. There's so many that they call it Tent City, literally. And so one of our staff guys, he had an idea. He said, "Why don't we just do this? Why don't we call this thing? You know, he's all into branding names, and we'll call it One Loaf. And here's what we do: we challenge every family to just to just go to the grocery store and buy a loaf of bread, and just make sandwiches." And then we're going to organize it because I believe in organizing things. I would drive y'all nuts if I were here. Because here's the thing. These people are so valuable and they're so important that we've got to do it right. And it's just taking homeless people a loaf of bread. We, we actually house homeless people in our church once a quarter. It's not what you think. You think, huh, it's, it's, it's some drug addicts, some alcoholics. No. Sometimes, but we house families. And sometimes, they're, they're educated families who just lost everything they had. They didn't know how to manage their money. It's not what you think. And, and you show up and you're expecting a certain kind of people. And what you see is the image of Jesus. That's what you see. I told our church I'm going to drive them nuts. and We're going to keep doing everything we can to just serve our community with every idea that we can possibly come up with. And I'm doing everything I can. I, I, I'm too old to care about being a part of a church. I don't, I don't want to be religious. 
I just want to be a part of a group of people that can that can look at our world and see what Jesus saw. And I believe he wants to do that in you as well. Maybe you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus. But maybe you just realize that, you know what, honestly, I'm really more preoccupied with me. I know, I get it. God started a couple of years ago with me, uh, messing me up. And he won't let me go. And so I'm literally just taking our church and I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'll grow us or shrink us. <laughs> but we're going to turn it upside down so that we can just adequately be a reflection of Him. And it's easy for us to say, you know what, I've just been more preoccupied with me. And maybe you're one of those people, if you're really honest... And you know what? You hear about that alcoholic. You watch the 6 o'clock news and you probably, I can't believe this world's going to hell in a handbasket. And people are crazy. Rather than seeing those people that are lost. They've been created in the image of God and they need somebody to love them. And it is messy, hard, nasty, dirty work. That's who we've been called to be. The popular thing to do during an invitation, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Forget that junk. I just wonder, and this is how I challenge our people every week, if there would be a group of followers of Jesus right now that would say, gosh, you know what? I've been a little more preoccupied with me. I don't know that when I look at another human being that I see the image of God. And I've just got to be honest about that. And I just want God to change me. And I would just ask with every head up and every eye open. And, and my hand is up, by the way. I, I'm not one of those guys that thinks I'm there yet. I'm not. But I want to be. If that's you, could you just slip up your hand and say, man, I want to be different. I don't do this. Very, could you just look around this room? Just keep your hands up. Jesus, Jesus took 12 and he changed the world. You, you can't tell me that we're just the followers of Jesus that raised their hand just, just now. You can't, you can't tell me that he wouldn't radically bring change to the community that you live in if you begin to be like Jesus and have his compassion. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus. Wow, you've picked a great day to be in church. To find out who Jesus really is. And maybe you're one of those people who walked in and said, Man, I hope nobody knows my story. And maybe you have felt like you are that notorious sinner and you don't know my stuff. Here's what I can tell you. And if you're here, I can tell you that Jesus is absolutely crazy about you. He wanted me to make sure I told you.
crazy about you. And he loves you with the kind of love that you cannot imagine. And what he sees when he sees you is the image of God. That image that you were created in. And, and maybe right now you're kind of disguised with some junk. And he said, here's the thing. I went to the cross and I paid the penalty for all your junk. And here's what can happen right now. If you're willing to fully surrender your life to Jesus. I'm not talking about I just believe in Jesus. That's great. I'm glad you believe in Jesus. I believe that he was the son of God. Good for you. I believe that he went to the cross and on the cross that he shed his blood for my sins. Yay for you. I believe he's alive. Good. You're almost there. But if you would be willing right now to surrender your life to Jesus. If that's you. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. You're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus. And you're thinking, wow, man, I had no idea. I had no idea of the love of God and the compassion of God and the grace that he would extend to somebody like me. I just didn't know. And now you know and and you're thinking, man, how do I give my life to Jesus? If that's you, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be. Then just simply pray this prayer right there in your seat, just softly and quietly. You're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be. Maybe you would say something like this. Jesus, thank you for loving me. I don't even know if I can wrap my brain around it, but thank you for your love. And I I do believe in you, and I believe all of the right stuff about you. But more than just believing the right stuff, today, I want you to be my Savior. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. And the best way I know how, I want to surrender my life completely to you. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, for your amazing grace, and for your compassion on a sinner like me. Now, I'm going to ask, if you will, to stand, everyone to stand. And John is going to lead us, this team is going to lead us, and you know, maybe um, you slipped up your hand and for some of you, you know, that was a big deal and maybe that was enough. Others of you, you just may want to come and just kneel here and pray and say, God, help me to get this thing right. I want to be an adequate reflection of you. Maybe you're here and you just prayed that prayer to accept Christ. And I know it's sometimes kind of freaky in church, but here's what we do. You can come down and just take somebody by the hand and say, I prayed that prayer. That's all you got to say. And we'll help you with the rest of that. Because this is a church that wants to invest in you and and love you and, and show you the compassion and the love and the mercy and the grace of God. And to show you how to walk with Jesus because you probably don't know. And that's all you got to do. Just just come down and say, I, I prayed that prayer, accepted Christ. I, I don't know where to go from here. I invite you to come as they play. 
Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.